We've been talking about relationships and how to have healthy relationships. And this is the last of the series uh, we talked about. And when I was thinking about this series, I was thinking, what are some key characteristics of healthy relationships? You know, what, what are some, some things that if you don't have them, you, it's very difficult to even have a healthy relationship with another person. This could be a husband-wife relationship, could be a, a, a parent-child relationship, just could be a friend-to-friend relationship. But what are the key characteristics of those relationships? And a, a couple of them just kind of jumped out immediately to me. One was, the first one was integrity. So we talked about integrity. We said, are you a person who can be trusted? Are you a person that uh, you, when you give your word, you keep your word, even if it hurts you, uh, you tell the truth, you act with honor. Are you a person of integrity? You know, relationships will not last very long if there's not an honesty that, that can, can build on. Um, secondly, humility. Are you a pe- person that's willing to humble yourself? We talked a little bit about what, is it, what does it mean when two people come and they humble themselves. And they say, you know, I don't have to win this argument. I don't have to get the best. I, I can give up and, and, and do, you know, and, and, and we talked about thinking too highly or too lowly of ourselves and how both of those are diff- different forms of pride. And then last weekend we talked about forgiveness. We said, are you, you know, because relationships, it's inevitable when you get in a relationship that, that somebody does something, somebody says something, so you say, am I going to forgive that person? Or the other side of it is, am I going to go and ask that person for forgiveness because I said or I did something that's caused damage here? And so it's kind of the maintenance of relationships. That forgiveness is a critical part of maintaining a healthy relationship. And some some. Uh, people live in relationships where they've never heard the word, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I was wrong. You know, they don't, they, no, if they heard those words, they, they, they grab their heart and go, wait, oh, hold on here, I want to get a tape recorder because I've never heard that before. Today we want to talk about servanthood. And it's really, to me, it's a critical component of relationships. Servanthood is, is approaching a relationship and, and saying, what can I give rather than, what can I get? So often when two people come together and they say, what, can I, what am I getting out of this? What am I getting out of this? By the way, if you ever get into an argument with your spouse or with someone else, and generally it happens with spouses pretty often, where you get in this argument, well, you always or you never or I always and I'm doing, you know, that's a kind of that one of those arguments where it's essentially saying, I'm doing my part, but you're not doing your part. Essentially, that's what that argument is all about. But when two people come together and say, I'm coming here to serve you, what can I do to serve you? Man, that changes everything. That changes the whole dynamic of a relationship. So the the classic example of servanthood is found in John chapter 13. And I want to read that passage. This is where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. So John chapter 13, I want to read, uh, you know, the first... uh, 17 verses I want to read. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash 
the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash your feet, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. This is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, a couple of things happened. He called us to serve others. That's what he was doing. And, and really, in this, in this area of calling us to serve others, and we think about how we serve others in relationships, he, there's three questions that he answers in this passage about how we serve others. It's, who do, when, who do we serve? Whom do we serve? Okay? And Jesus blew up the, le- the concept of leadership. He, here he is, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and now he becomes a servant, and he washes the disciples' feet. Now, the disciples would have probably been willing to wash Jesus' feet because he was ab- absolutely their Lord and their master, their teacher, their rabbi, right? So it wouldn't have been hard if he had said, hey, would somebody wash my feet? They probably would have jumped at the chance and said, yes, I will do that, because after all, he's the master. Now, The other thing that you need to understand is that the disciples along the way as they're traveling are having these little debates, and they flare up every now and then. The mother comes one time and says, hey, put my sons on, you know, thrones next to you. And and then they began to debate, well, who's the greatest among us anyways? And so there's this top dog discussion, this mentality going on. And who's the top dog discussion? So when it comes down to washing feet, a common thing that you would do in that day because of the dusty roads and the sandals and just the the grit that would catch, uh, it was a necessary thing before a meal to wash and to offer water and to do that. But if you were trying to be the top dog disciple, you would certainly wash the master's feet, but to wash one another's feet, your peer, that would be seen as giving in and saying, well, I guess I'm not quite as as high up on the ladder as they are. If I wash their feet, I'm certainly doing a subservient type thing. It's dirty servant duty, and it's not fit for a rising star like me. And isn't that how we often approach relationships we often say, well, are they worthy of me serving them? Are they, are they worthy of me doing this and becoming a servant to them? Do they deserve it? And we generally have no problem, just like the disciples. By the way, the disciples never offered to wash Jesus' feet. But 
But I, I'm just making a case to say that if he had asked, they probably would have, would have desired to do it. Peter probably would have been one of the first to do it. But nobody offered it. Nobody was offering to serve anyone. That's the point. And so Jesus is, is doing something very significant here. He's saying to us, and, and this is true in our relationships, we often say, I'm okay with serving somebody who's above me, my boss, somebody that I respect, somebody that I want to climb up the ladder and they'll help me climb the ladder. But somebody who's equal with me to serve them, yeah, there's got to be something in it for me. And if you approach a relationship that way, saying, I'll scratch your back if you'll scratch mine, I'll do this if you'll do that with a peer, that's not serving. Or we look at people who are below us, we, we feel socially or whatever they're below us, we'd say, well, I don't know if I really want to serve them. I mean, maybe they ought to be serving me, right? That's why I'm here. But Jesus became a servant, and he washed their feet. Now, the washing of the disciples' feet, as we'll see, is is a picture of his main mission, and his main mission was to seek and to save lost people. The only way he could accomplish his mission was to become a humble servant. So, who do we serve? When do we serve? Now, we often think that when we serve... Number one, we have to say, well, this, the person has this to be needy. They need to deserve it. They, you know, and often we look at this, this person and say, well, you don't deserve this. I've given this to you. You don't deserve it. Right? Do, do you ever do that with your spouse? You say, well, you know, I, things aren't been going real well, so I don't feel like serving you. You don't deserve it. Right? Right? And, and essentially, the bottom line is Jesus. And the other thing that's amazing to me, that he uses a phrase in this passage it, the first part of the verse, it says, before the Passover celebration. What was the Passover celebration? The Passover celebration is when it was once a year and you would bring the Passover lamb. The, the high priest would offer the, the lamb and it was for the sins of all the people. Now, when we come to the Last Supper, which was the Passover time, Jesus said to the disciples, go get a room ready for the, for the Passover meal that we're about to have. And it's during this time, okay, that Jesus sits down and he begins to wash their feet. Now, we know during the, 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 the Passover meal, we know that Jesus mentions the bread, because he certainly does. This is my body. He mentions the, the blood. He says, this cup containing the wine is my blood, which is shed for you, right? But there's no mention of a lamb. There's no mention of a lamb. And, and, and let's be honest with you. You would take the lamb, it would be offered, and the meat would come back, and you would eat the, the lamb. The lamb would be part of the Passover meal. But there was no lamb mentioned at the Last Supper. The reason was because Jesus was the lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God. And that's what John said. John said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The point I want you to see here is he's washing their feet on his way to the cross. He is going to die within days. And he chooses to wash their feet to be a servant. And, and, and here's the application for us. We often think, well, I can't serve now. Life is hard. I don't, I don't have the emotional energy. I, I, I'm, I'm, I've got a lot on my mind. I'm, I'm stressed out. I... Jesus washed their feet on his way to the cross. And remember that. Because we often say, well, when there's a good time, when there's an, an opportunity, when I have enough, when... And, and Jesus just said none of that. He said, just said, basically, it needs to be done now. On his way to the cross, he bowed down and washed their feet. 
And that's, to me, an incredible thing. This is probably one of the most difficult times, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, in his earthly life, and he takes time to wash their feet. What I'm saying here is don't wait for the right time to serve. Jesus served while under pressure. Instead of thinking of your own needs, look to the needs of others. Jesus made the first move here. Now, some people, and and this is really important, and I want to stop and just kind of put a time out on this, because some people look at a passage like this and they say, okay, so what you're saying, uh, Matt, is that I need to begin to serve people, and as I serve more and more people and become more and more of a servant, then, then God will accept me one day. In other words, my job is to serve others. My job is to give my time. My job is to give my money. My, my job is to serve. And, and when I'm, if I serve enough, if I serve enough people, and I follow the example, because Jesus says, do this, follow my example, as I do that, one day I'll stand before God, and He'll say, why should I let you in heaven? And you say, I was served all these people for you. And Jesus was not saying that. He was not saying, okay, you serve to get into heaven. What he was saying was, I'm serving you as an example. And when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, one of the ways that you show your thankfulness, one of the ways you show your gratitude, one of the ways you show you are already accepted by him is your heart turns and you become a servant. See, you don't serve because you really, sometimes your heart isn't changing. You're you're serving for a reason. You're serving for a purpose. You have an ulterior motive, right? But when when your heart is turned and you say, I'm just so thankful and I'm so grateful that you served me, you came to earth and gave your life for me. Now I want to serve you by serving others. That's just what I want to do. I don't do it out of trying to earn away or pay you back. I just do it because I'm so grateful and so thankful. It's a whole different attitude. In other words, we don't serve to be accepted. We serve because we already are accepted. So then we get to the last part is, well, why should I serve? Why should I serve? Well, Jesus uses a phrase here and he says, If I, your master, if I, your master, wash your feet, then what do you think you should do? Okay? All right, so game over. You know, that's it. Set, match, done, right? And the clock's over. That's it. You know, the bottom line is Jesus laid aside his robe. He took the dress of a slave for us. Now, Don Carson, who's a New Testament scholar, says this. There's no instance in either Jewish or Greco-Roman sources of a superior washing the feet of an inferior. This is the only time recorded in, in these early documents. We call this the New Testament. In any of the, the early literature... It's available today. This is the only evidence of a superior washing the feet of inferiors, of a master washing the feet of servants. This is it. And Jesus, like I said, he blows the lid off of of, of the, the operating procedures of those days, of how things worked. The point is this. If the King of kings and Lord of lords can stoop down and wash feet, then we have a compelling call to serve others, no matter what their social ranking may be, whether they're above, beside, or below us. Jesus gave us the supreme example. Think about this. This is the servant king at your feet. 
You have to look down at Him as He washes your feet. I love the fact, too, that Jesus asks us to do something that He's already done. You know, He's not a king that says, you know what, why don't you go do this? He does. He just does it. He just gets up. I mean, can you imagine? The guys are all talking. Hey, you know, I think I'm pretty good. Yeah, I think I'm pretty good, too. And Jesus kind of listening and all that. All right. And He takes His robe off, sets it aside, puts on the dress of a servant. And He gets a bowl puts water in the bowl, and walks over to the first disciple and begins to wash their feet. And they're going, what are you doing here? And Jesus says, okay, you've seen what I've done. You know who I am. Now follow my example. I love a leader that says, "Don't," because we have so many leaders, don't we have a lot of leaders out there today that say, do as I say, not as I do. Jesus says, do as I do. Follow my example. That's refreshing. The second thing we see from this passage is he shows us our need of cleansing. Cleansing is a big part of this passage. First, the cleansing of salvation. The whole foot washing example, the event, is an illustration of something much bigger. Jesus, Peter says to Jesus, if Jesus comes to Peter, he says, I'm going to, you're going to wash my feet? Yeah. No, you're not. And, and Jesus says this. He says, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. You, you don't understand what I'm doing here. I'm not just washing your feet. And that's why I think it, it's, it's, not, I'm not mis, it's, not, it's not understanding this passage to say, okay, there's three ordinances now. The ordinance of baptism, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, and now the ordinance of foot washing. Right? So there's the third one. So I don't think that's the point. Jesus is saying there's something bigger going on than me washing your feet. Yes, you get that I wash your feet, and it's a cultural thing, and your sandals make your, your, you know, the dusty roads in your sandals, and somebody has to wash your feet, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to do that. I get, get all that. But I'm not doing this so that you'll later on, you know, in the 21st century, begin to wash everybody's feet. I think you can do it today, and it can be symbolic and can be a memory, but I just don't think that's what Jesus' point is here. He's saying to Peter, one day you're going to understand the significance of this event. By the way, and I've never you know, been involved in a foot-washing service. I don't think I want to. I, I, this is, this has not, there's nothing in the Bible about this. I'm, I'm meandering here for just a minute. Just give me a little bit of grace. I think this is my, this is my if we had a foot washing service today, I think most of you would want to, us to announce it the week before. <laughs> if I were to spring it on you today, some of you would go, I need to get a pedicure before I... Right? You certainly would wash your feet before you came, before we washed or I washed your feet, right? Wouldn't you do that? It's like I went to the dentist this week, right? What did I do before I went to the dentist? I brushed my teeth. What were they going to do? Clean my teeth. Okay? What's that all about? Oh, I don't want to go in there and think I just don't never brush my teeth. Okay, that's me, and I'm just sorry. I just have to do that. I just have to... Here's what I think Jesus is doing. Here's the illustration. This foot washing is an incredibly powerful picture. What Jesus is doing this, 
What did he do when he washed his, their feet? It's very clear. He, they describe what he does. John says he took off his robe. He put on the, the garment of a servant. He stooped down. He began to wash their feet. Right? He, be, he became a servant. He took the dress of a servant and washed their feet. Now, now think about the overall mission of Jesus. He took the form of a servant when he got off of his throne. Right? And he took upon himself the form of a man. He humbled himself and took on the form of human flesh. He took the dress of a servant with all of its limitations. He washed our sins away when he climbed up on a cross. In that day, the only people they, cru- they crucified were servants and criminals. So Jesus is illustrating how He came from His throne and humbled Himself and came as a servant to earth and bowed down to our feet and washed us completely when He climbed up on a cross and was crucified as a servant for you and for me. And that's why Jesus says to Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing now. One day, you will. This is a picture of my passion for you. And he does this on the way to the cross before the Passover. And he says to us, you've seen my example. Do you understand now why I say, if you just get a pan of water out, we start washing everybody's feet. It misses the point. It misses the depth of what Jesus is trying to communicate to us. He is saying to us that He came to wash us of our sins because we all need our sins washed. Now, some of you are here. In, in, in 1 John 1, 7, it says, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Peter didn't understand the cleansing. At first, he says, You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And some of you may be, maybe you were, maybe you are today. You're a Peter. And you're saying, no one is going to wash my feet. I'm not that dirty. I don't need it. I don't need this cleansing. And I just want to say to you, There's a point where you have to come to a place where you can't self-save yourself. You need a Savior. You need somebody that's going to come and cleanse you from head to toe. And the only one that can do that is Jesus, and that's why He came. And you have to understand that no matter how good you are, how much you've done, it'll never be enough. There's always grit on you. There's always this grit of sin that only Jesus can wash you from, and that's why He came. And so you have to be like Peter and say, wash my whole body if that's what it takes, because I must be clean. And until you come to a place where you understand, you understand that you're dirty with sin, you're drowning in sin, you need somebody to come and wash you and save you, you'll never find that He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus came to this earth as a slave to sin to be crushed for us, to free us from our slavery of sin that leads to eternal death. And He opened the way to to enjoy and delight in God forever. 
So that's the total cleansing. But there's another cleansing. There's the cleansing of confession. Peter basically, it finally dawns on him that he wants to be in, not out. And so he says, okay, wash me. Wash my whole body. Don't just do my feet. Wash my whole body. He says, no, 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 no. You, you, you guys are in. You, you have placed your trust. You are placing your trust in me, so you're in. But not all of you. There's one of you that's not. There's one of you that's a devil among you. Peter says this in verse 9, Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you, you disciples are clean, but not all of you. So here's what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about just a once and for all cleansing, though that's, he speaks of that. But he's also talking about a, a kind of an ongoing cleansing. So there's a day that we call upon the Lord and we ask Jesus to come into our life and save us. We ask His sacrifice on the cross to be our sacrifice. He lives the life we should have lived. He dies the death we should have died. And we come to that point in our lives where we call upon Jesus as Savior. And He saves us. He washes us completely. But then there's an ongoing relationship that we have with Him. It's just like any other relationship where there's problems, where there's, there's sin that comes in. And when we sin, what do we have to do? We have to confess our sin. The Bible says very clearly, this is what First John says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So there's this ongoing forgiveness that we need to continually ask for. And that's the cleansing that he's talking about here. That there's this, this maintenance cleansing, this ongoing day by day, moment by moment. And there has to be a point when you sin that you may need to go to another person and, and ask them for forgiveness. And certainly that's part of the relationship talk that we're involved in. But there, there, more importantly, you always have to go to God and say, God, I've sinned against you. I repent. I turn from my sin and I I ask you to cleanse me, to wash my feet so that we can be in relationship together. Because when the Bible says that when we sin, we break fellowship with God. We break the, the power of the Spirit in our lives. We grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit. And, and we have to come to God and we have to say, God, I, I've sinned. I, I, I said, I did this. And, and we ask Him to, we, we, admit, we acknowledge our sin. We don't deny it. We don't explain it away. We don't make excuses for it. But we come straight to it and we say, this is my sin. I own it. And I ask you to forgive me. I don't deserve it, but I ask you to forgive me we repent and he cleanses as he washes our feet so both are necessary this this one time whole cleansing but then this ongoing cleansing well how do we apply this foot washing lesson of jesus in relationships very quickly and i have about four minutes to do this number one when you come into a relationship, because you have experienced this, this forgiveness that only Jesus could give, when you, you understand that He came to earth and it's, you, just pick, you picture Him getting up from the table, taking off His robe, putting on the, 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 the uh, dress of a servant, bowing the King of kings and Lord of lords, bowing at your feet and washing your feet. When you picture that and He says, now that you've seen me do this, if I, your master, then you... Knowing that, then you come into a relationship and you ask the question, what can I give you? How can I serve you? Rather than, what can I get from you? What can you do for me? 
If two people come together and say, what can I give you? How can I serve you? The whole dynamic of that relationship will change. So that's number one. Number two, see the servant model of Jesus' normal operating procedure for his disciples. Jesus wasn't saying to, the, to them, okay, if you feel like it, if it works out for you, if you, you feel generous, you know, if, if it works, you know, if, 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 he says, now that you've seen what I have done, go do it. This is normal. Op- this isn't for the elite. You know, some people have an idea that in the Christian church there's this elite squad, you know, the, the elite Christians. And they're the ones that are out there, you know, you know. And Jesus is saying, I don't care whether you've been a Christian for a day or 30 years. Standard operating procedure for a Christian is that we serve. We serve Him. We serve others. And we serve those below us. It's normal operating mode of a disciple. And then number three, serve upwards, over, and down. There's no discrimination. There's no favorites. There's no limitations. You don't begin with, do they deserve it? Because frankly, He gave Himself on the cross when I didn't deserve it. He loved me when I was His enemy. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. So let's just stop this. Do they deserve it? Is it? Does it fit into my schedule? It just says, if you see somebody and you're in a relationship with somebody, go to that relationship. Can I serve you? Can I serve you? Upwards, over, and down. Allow the example of foot washing and the ultimate example of Jesus on the cross to encourage, energize, empower you to serve others. Allow His example to encourage you and to empower you. And then finally, make serving others a regular way of worshiping Him. You know, sometimes that's helped me a lot. When you you see a situation and you say, I don't really feel like serving this person because they haven't been pleasant to me. They haven't been nice to me. They haven't been decent to me. And Jesus said, you know what? When I was hanging on the cross, there were a whole bunch of people there that weren't decent to me and they weren't nice to me. And I could have called down angels and I could have destroyed them in a moment. Instead, what did he do? He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And so, when we have one of those situations where we say, I don't feel like serving this person, they don't deserve it, Um, I'm not going to get anything back if I do this, We, we look to God and say, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to worship you by serving them. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever walked into work and say, you know, I have a lousy job. I hate my boss. I don't like my coworkers. And you, you have an attitude, a, a bad attitude, let's call it what it is. Have you ever, before you walked through the door, maybe sitting in your car saying, I'm going to walk in today and I'm going to be a servant. I'm not going to serve the boss. I don't like the boss. I'm not going to serve my coworkers. I don't really like them. But I'm going to worship you, God, big time today as I treat them with dignity and respect and as I serve them. And they're going to look at me and say, what is wrong with you? Why would you be so nice to me? Why would you serve me? And you remember Jesus stooping down at your feet Washing your feet, 
you say, what else could I do? I'm one of his disciples. I'm one of his followers. That's what we do. You do that in your relationships, it'll, it'll throw some interesting juice into them. And it will be pleasing to God and it will be a powerful way for you to worship God. Worship God by serving others. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, this is something we cannot do apart from your, the power of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and lives because we in our own self are selfish and we're conceited and we're uh, just looking out for number one and we have all these kind of attitude things and the only way that we can have our attitude adjusted is as your Holy Spirit takes over our hearts, takes over our lives. And we know that can't happen until there's confession. If we have sin in our lives, we need to confess that. We may need to go to another person and ask them for forgiveness. But Father, I pray that you would take what we've heard and what we've seen and what we've learned from Jesus today and that we would, uh, we would see that as standard operating procedure. We would see it as a way of worshiping you, that we would serve others because you served us and you gave us the example to follow. Now we know what we should do. Help us to do it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.